The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Beginning with the 13th verse of the, of the 16th chapter. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. He shall refresh my soul and bring me forth in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts always be acceptable in thy sight. For thou art our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Welcome to St. Anselm Anglican Church on this momentous occasion. And on this cold morning, I might add. For today we participate in the witness, an eternal moment of the baptism of Laura and Jonah. Baptism is a momentous occasion. Historically it's been called a christening in the past because the baby's name used to be officially recorded for the first time in the parish register, which was a legal document still is, actually. In a way, it's a shame that the word christening has faded over the years because names are really important and they're part of covenant. They're part of covenant with God's people and with the Hebrew tradition into which our Lord Jesus Christ entered and fulfilled. Members of liturgical churches of all stripes remember that just two weeks ago we celebrated the circumcision and holy name of our Lord Jesus. One of the readings on that day was from Luke chapter 2 verse 21 which reads, and at the end of eight days when Jesus was circumcised he was called Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. 
And so in that verse, we see the coming together of the twin themes of covenant and name in the circumcision of Jesus Christ. And God's name and covenant being united together is a theme that pervades the Old and New Testaments if we have eyes to see it. And it actually comes together in holy baptism today, too. Those two themes, when we examine them, show forth truths about the Christian walk and the Christian faith. Let's start by looking at God's name. It's by God's initiative that people can come into relationship with God. Perhaps it's our own American can-do attitude, or our cultural religion of revivalism, or maybe just old plain plain old, rather, pride that convinces us otherwise. Many think that they can save themselves apart from Jesus and apart from covenant. But even many Christians act as if individuals can save themselves by merely deciding to follow Jesus. Both of those are wrong. St. Peter himself answers those things in his epistle today. I'm sorry, in the book of Acts today, where we see him talk about the fact that people cannot be saved outside of the name of Jesus Christ. Look at his testimony. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, in our first reading, where Peter standing says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven, given among men by which we must be saved. Of course, the name he's referring to is that of Jesus. God has provided a way, a way, through the person of Jesus Christ for all human beings to be saved. Peter is told that the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, which he professes so vigorously in today's Gospel, that this is the rock on which the church is built. There is no other solid foundation. Once you jettison yourself from the idea that Jesus alone saves, you are no longer a church. You might be a club. You might be an organization that does good works. But you're not a church. For the church is founded upon the name of Jesus Christ. And Peter's declaration or confession of that is also revealed in the gospel today in Matthew 16, verse 17, as a revelation from heaven. Did you catch that? Look at it with me, if you will. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. It does not seem particularly insightful to you and I that Jesus is both the Christ and the Son of the living God. But that is because we've taken it for granted. We've put, in those, put those two things together, much like we take for granted the coupling of naming and covenant. But this is the new message, and a new message in Matthew's Gospel here for the first century Jew, and anybody else listening. The name 
of the person of Jesus as the Christ, that is, the Messiah, or the Anointed One, the promised Savior, right? Because Christ isn't just Jesus' last name. It's part of what he's doing. But Israel had had Messiahs before. Think about it. Moses was a type of Messiah. David was a type of Messiah. Jesus is not merely the Christ, although that's important. He is not just the anointed one. Or I should say, he's not just an anointed one. He is the anointed one. Scholar and evangelist Michael Green makes the point in his commentary that three types of people are anointed in Scripture. Priests, prophets, and kings. Priests, prophets, and kings. But Peter also calls Jesus the Son of the living God. Many claim to be sons of God in the pagan world. And it's of interest that Peter makes this confession in Caesarea Philippi, particularly, a region here in the Bible named after emperors who proclaimed themselves to be sons of God. If you were here on Christmas Eve, you'll recall that Caesar Augustus's favorite title was Divi Filius, the Son of God. That was the title that he gave himself and was ratified by the Senate. Peter is claiming that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, and the Son of the living God. In fulfillment of Psalm 2, verse 7, where we read, I will tell of the decree, the Lord said to me, You are my Son, today I have begotten you. Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, putting together these two titles. In Jesus is God, and in God alone can there be salvation. As Michael Green continues writing, Like a priest, only perfectly, Jesus put people into touch with God. Like a prophet... But perfectly, Jesus showed people what God was like. Like a king, only perfectly, Jesus exercised God's rule over God's people while himself being uniquely the servant of the Lord. There's no other person, therefore, no other name under heaven by which men may be saved. It's a matter of logic. For only God can save. And only by his initiative and way are, is anybody saved. And then we come to covenant. How does such a name, the powerful name of Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God, avail salvation? Here's the connection in covenant. God always works through covenants in the scriptures. From Noah to Abraham to Moses to Jesus' baptism to the Last Supper. Covenant is the way that God chooses to give grace to his people. As circumcision was a sign and a seal 
of being part of God's chosen people, so is baptism, the New Testament sign and seal of the name of Jesus. In the book of Colossians, chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, St. Paul writes, In him, that is, in Jesus, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And therefore, in the covenant of baptism, for those of us in the new covenant, we're united, signed, and sealed with the name of Jesus by this rite, by this initiative of God. On the eighth day, Jesus' name was proclaimed as he was circumcised. In the sacrament of baptism or christening, the working of God is established in covenant with his adopted son and daughter today. And in covenant with you, dear friends, as part of the church who has confessed and professes Jesus to be the Christ, the son of the living God. A sinner's turning to Jesus is never the beginning of salvation. The act of God, an act of grace, is the beginning of salvation. A person does not take the name of Jesus any more than a person takes communion. A person receives the name of Jesus just as a person receives holy communion and covenant. It's a gift bestowed upon us. The salvation of the world doesn't begin at the cross, but begins in the womb. In the womb of Mary, continuing on into the manger in Bethlehem. Jesus does not abolish the covenant. He says so himself. He fulfills covenants and has established a new one. It is through this new covenant, whose signs and seals are baptism and holy communion, that God has chosen to save his people. And for that we're supremely thankful. For it's not of our merit, but of his grace. Not even of our own choice alone, but of his mercy. As St. Paul writes, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. It's for this reason that the book of Acts speaks of people being baptized in the name of Jesus. For Jesus' name is the name revealed by the Father as the Son of the living God, as the man in whom I am well pleased, who is joined to us by the Holy Spirit in this covenant. And so as we gather here today, it's a momentous occasion. It's a holy baptism. It's a, it's a christening. It's a putting the name of Jesus physically, a mark of the Lord's saving on this child. A token 
but an effectual one by which the Holy Spirit will indwell these children, both Jonah and Laura. And by that covenant and in this christening, the journey begins for us to covenant together to bring them to that faith, of, to that place of profession where they will one day profess Jesus to be the Christ, to be their Christ, as well as the Son of the living God, to be their Lord and their Savior. Today they receive another name, not just their given name, for today they're marked as Christ's own, signed and sealed as his own, marked with the cross of covenant, forever as a son and daughter. One day, however, they must profess, just like Peter. They must, by God's grace, take upon their own lips the profession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And by His grace and the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, they will. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. I'd like to invite the family and godparents back to the back doors of the church. <laughs>